recapture the wonder you felt as a child at Christmas when you hear how they celebrate the season in other countries. In Sweden, it all starts December 13th. It's a day when we uh, greet the light coming into the dark period. In Germany, they make Christmas feel special for the kids. You don't get to go in the living room until there's a little bell. You go in there, the Christmas tree is lit, you get your presents, and you're in heaven. You won't go hungry in Costa Rica. There's a lot of great food being shared. Of course, traditional Christmas tamales. While in Rome... It's very typical for Rome, artichokes. Stay up late in Sardinia. At the stroke of midnight, the bells start ringing, and they begin what they call the Mass of the Rooster. But watch out in Croatia. And if you're bad, the Krampus going to get you. So this is something to assure that the kids are good throughout the year. Or double your fun in Holland. If we get a chance, we try to celebrate on two days instead of one. It's an international Christmas on Travel with Rick Steves. Come along. It's a special time of year because we make an extra effort to check in with our far-flung friends and reminisce about our childhood memories of years gone by as our traditions make new memories for the next generation. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. For the hour ahead, we're visiting with friends new and old as they brighten our holidays with tales of how they observed the Christmas season where they live and introduce us to a few characters that you wouldn't expect to find in the Norman Rockwell Christmas card. Coming up, let's celebrate Christmas in Amsterdam, Rome, Stockholm, Croatia, Sardinia, and even Costa Rica. Let's start out in southern Germany with a look at a Bavarian Christmas, the kind most Americans imagine with the smell of hot mulled wine wafting in from just down the street. Stefan Wagner is a journalist based in Munich who writes about North America for a German audience. Right now, through the magic of radio on Travel with Rick Steves, Stefan helps us celebrate the season the way they do in Bavaria. Stefan, thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Rich. Merry Christmas to you, too, and Actually, everybody sh- out there. I should say, Freya Weihnachten. That's, that's what you would say, yes. So, when we're in Germany, what is the... I, I guess, first of all, Germany is a lot of different regions. You live in the south of Germany. That's more traditional, more conservative, more church-going than the north, would you say? Yeah, it's more Catholic, most of all. Um, if you look at the German people, there's about a, a third are Catholic, a third are Protestant, and a third are uh, different denominations. But the influence of Christianity are, are massive. We have a lot of religious holidays uh, that everybody gets off. Uh, you probably wouldn't even know most of them, from Epiphany to um, St. Mary Ascension Day. That's what is interesting to me, because Christmas is a month long in Europe when you consider St. Nicholas Day and you consider uh, the 12 days after Christmas when finally the, the wise men brought the gifts and this sort of thing. What is the, in your mind, as a child, what is the Christmas holiday schedule? Like, what would matter to the kids? What's the first day that even registers for them that it's holiday season? I would think it's the 1st of um, December. We have these Christmas calendars, the Advent calendar. It's a countdown for Christmas, uh, 24 little presents that you get. And, uh, of course, it builds up to the big day, which is, in our case, on the 24th. Okay. You usually have a, a light meal of sausages and potato salad at lunchtime. And then in the evening, of course, it's, it's present time, 25th. 
everything's pretty much over. You get to sleep in and digest and maybe have a big meal. But uh, the present day is uh, so the, the 20, 24th. And if people do go to church, do they normally go midnight mass or do they go the next morning? It would be the evening of the 24th, midnight mass. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, growing up as a kid, I, I really thought that Bethlehem was in Germany uh, because it was very, very... German-centered. Um, a lot of the Christmas traditions obviously are from Germany, well, starting can, with the Christmas tree. You can thank Martin Luther for that. 500 years ago, he wanted to set Bethlehem in the location where people were so they could relate to it. I was fascinated by going to the museum in Innsbruck where they have all the manger scenes, the Presepi, mm -hmm. and uh, they're all set in Germany. Yeah, the nativity scenes are a, a big deal. You also have a massive museum in Munich where you can have hundreds of Yeah. Wood-carved scenes of um, churches, nativity. Churches go full board for that. You can step into the church and see these massive nativity scenes, and they're just, well, of course, you're in Bavaria, which is the land of good woodcarvers. Exactly. But it's not just those things. I think for me, a big part of Christmas was also going to the cemetery at night, uh, Christmas Eve. Go to a cemetery around Christmas. All the lights are on. It's incredibly moving and touching. Everybody visits their relatives All the candles are on. Um, beautiful. I've, done, I've seen that in other countries, and it is very touching. On Christmas Eve uh, and other special days, the candles in the cemeteries. So the past loved ones are there in spirit with the people still living. You reconvene. You reunite. I love that. Now, Munich has so many traditions in so many ways. And it seems that it seems all over the world there's different Santa Claus characters. Who's Santa Claus in Germany? We have St. Nicholas. It's, uh, it happens on the 5th or 6th of December. He's the good guy. He brings you presents, uh, little presents. So uh, you went from December 1st to the 24th. There's a few stops along the way. There's then. a few stops along the way to build up uh, the experience. But, of course, there is a mean, evil um, guy that accompanies St. Nicholas. His name is Krampus uh, in southern Germany. And he's, you say it with a mean he's, edge, he's, he, he's wicked. Um, people cry, and not just kids. Um, he comes along, he has massive uh, chains that he rattles, black clothes, um, sort of soot all over his face. And he's the mean twin of Santa Claus. He tells the kids what they didn't do right last year. So, and so he's the parental uh, devised incentive for kids to be good kids all year long, or Krampus will get you. Krampus will get you. And uh, I just did a story last year on um, Krampus groups. They are booming all over southern Germany and northern Austria. There's hundreds of them now, people dressing up and walking in the streets, dressed up like Krampus. Big events, up to 50,000 people go there to watch it. You should uh, definitely, if you happen to be in, in Germany or no Austria way. then... No way, no way. It would give me nightmares. You won't sleep for a while. Oh my, I want St. Nicholas. He's my man. Well, it's not you who decides who's going to come. <laughs> it's not you if you're naughty or you're nice. Stefan Wagner is a journalist based in Munich who writes about social trends, travel, science, and politics in North America for German publications. He's giving us a peek at the Bavarian Christmas season traditions from his corner of Germany right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Of course, in Germany, I mean, everybody loves to go to the Christmas markets. What is your take on Christmas markets in Bavaria? There's a whole range, and uh, you, of course, probably know the ones in Nuremberg and Munich and some of the bigger cities that are a must. They're like the Colosseum in Rome. You just got to go and see and eat your sausage and have your gingerbread and uh, buy little knickknacks. Super romantic stuff, uh, lights all over the place, Christmas music. 
definitely worth a couple hours. But I uh, highly recommend you to go to some smaller towns. Uh, every town has its own Christmas market. Go there. Uh, soak in the atmosphere. Not many tourists there. Just be there and, and enjoy. Sit back, relax, listen. Use your senses. Listen, smell, and dream of a white Christmas. Oh, I love that. Use your senses for sure. And when you go to a, a Bavarian Christmas market, you do get a sense of genuineness, authenticity. There are standards. You're not going to have cheap trinkets from faraway lands. It's handmade. It's local. It has a, a, a roots in that particular heritage. And nobody would put up any of this uh, plastic stuff on their Christmas trees anyway. You really want the wood carved. You want yeah. the hand-blown uh, glass Christmas uh, balls. It's a very important event. I'm not into buying Christmas trinkets that much, but if you looked at my tree, I have to say there's probably more ornaments on my tree from little shops in Germany than from any other place on the planet. And I'm married to an American, so when it comes to decorating a Christmas tree, there's a big difference. Uh, my wife, Laura, she loves it colorful and lots of stuff, and uh, Germans are more, if I may say so, on the modest side. You just want uh, white Christmas balls and a few candles and not overloaded. It's a different look at Christmas. It's a lot more as I think, focusing on what Christmas is all about instead of just having a massive party. When we made our TV show, that was my most of my experience in Germany on Christmas, we filmed two different families and they each had a wonderful Christmas dinner filled with tradition. I'll never forget, Stefan, the children had not seen the tree yet and the tree was decorated and the gifts were under it until a certain time and then they opened the doors. Yeah. Does when that I, happen in Bavaria? When I look back at my um, years as a kid, it's been a while, but um, yeah, you don't get to go in the living room until there's a little bell. You go in there, the Christmas tree is lit, you get your presents and you're in heaven. And it's it's that sense of... Wonder. Wonder. of um, Wunder. Wunderbar. <laughs> Wunderbar is Weihnachten. It's, uh, it's that sense of... Yeah, being surprised and, and, and having something that's not an everyday thing. You know, I wasn't even part of the family, and I was just beaming with, with delight to see the wonder on the children's faces when that door opened. It was a real festival. It's, um, it's the little things. Talking about wonder on the children's face, I remember the delight in kids helping Grandma make the cookies. What are your baking memories for Christmas season? It's a big part of Christmas. It's a big part of this incredible build-up that you have as you go along the whole month of December. There's the baking weekends where you get ready and then the, the cookies are done and, and the gingerbread. Is, everything is stoked by that wonderful Advent calendar. So exactly. each day you've it's, got a little mini festival. It's the countdown. It's like Cape Canaveral for Christmas. Stefan, I distinctly remember the Christmas dinner. When you think back on the special Christmas dinners with your family gathered, especially when you were younger, what comes to mind? What makes it a, a Bavarian Christmas or a, a Munich Christmas dinner? A Munich dinner would be the goose, having goose. No turkey. Um, it's not Thanksgiving, obviously. But on the 24th, we do have a smaller, um, a quick thing, mostly sausages, uh, potato salad. Um, some families even just do soup because it's still the build-up. The parents are busy. They can't waste time on, on making the meals. They're trying to get the room ready for the children to have the Christmas tree lit and the presents ready. So the next day on the 25th is when the time is to play with those presents. And uh, when you have a big Christmas lunch or dinner, it's a lot of time goose, it's duck, it's always heavy, it's uh, with dumplings and also a little bit of salad occasionally. And you've got to have some hot spiced wine, don't you? 
Absolutely. And if you go to those Chris Kindle markets, it's the big thing to do. You just stand there in the cold, holding a warm mug of hot spiced wine. Obviously, you run into other people, so your coats are usually covered with hot spiced wine as well. But it's that thing warming you from inside. It's the one thing that really makes you feel warm in the wintertime. There's few people who walk away with less than three cups. So that'll warm you up. And to remind ourselves how green Germany is, it wouldn't be a plastic cup or a styrofoam cup. I remember it was definitively a porcelain cup. It's a ceramic mug. And um, yeah, you can also take them home after paying a little bit of money too. But it's it's definitely a memory that you really want to keep because it reminds you of this incredibly special time that we have in Germany uh, before Christmas. And it's... It's something anybody should experience at least once. And we've talked about this before, but I just love this word, gemütlich. What is gemütlich, and how does that apply to Christmas? Gemütlich is when you sit together um, in a small room, it's warm, you have good food, and you enjoy each other's company. I think it's mostly about a harmonious time together spent with people you love. And I think what else could Christmas be? We call it cozy. Cozy. And gemütlich would be cozy, and gemütlichkeit would be cozy time, right? Absolutely. Oh, well, I hope you have a gemütlichkeit and freue Weihnachten. Freue Weihnachten to you and everybody out there, Rick. We've got more fun for the holidays just ahead as we hear about the one-of-a-kind Christmas traditions of the Netherlands and Rome, plus how they celebrate on the Mediterranean island of Sardinia, in Croatia and Sweden, and even Costa Rica in Central America. The party's just getting started. Stay with us. It's Travel with Rick Steves. Santa might get a little winded from all the places we're spending Christmas this hour on Travel with Rick Steves. We've still got stops to make in Stockholm and Rome, Amsterdam, Sardinia, and even sunny Costa Rica in Central America. Right now, we're docking in the Adriatic to check in with Marjan Kriskovic. He guides travelers around his home country of Croatia and through the neighboring countries of the former Yugoslavia. Marjan, welcome. Thank you. How do you say Merry Christmas in Croatian? Sretan Božić. Sretan Božić. What does that mean, literally? Um, Merry Christmas, Sretan, happy or merry. Okay, Sretan is happy. Mm -hmm. And Božić actually comes from the word Bog, and it means little God, and it implies the the birth of baby Jesus. Little God. Little God, literally. So literally, you're saying happy little God. Exactly. (laughs) Now, when you celebrate the holiday season in Croatia... As in much of Europe, it's more than just one day. Tell us the general holiday calendar in Croatia. What are the big days for you in Croatia? The celebrating of uh, Christmas uh, starts December 6th, which is St. Nicholas Day. And that's when the tradition was of uh, giving gifts, especially to the children in forms of apples, fruits, really little symbols and tokens of love and signs of good luck. Then there is December 13th, which is St. Lucia Day. Usually on St. Lucia's Day, in Croatia, you would uh, get a ball of wheat seeds, soak them in water, and those seeds will then start germinating, and the wheat grows uh, by the time of Christmas. And this is a symbol of fertility, of good luck in the following year, uh, the symbol of birth, 
to do with uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. And, you know, when we think about the celebration of Christmas, we can also think about pagan pre-Christian celebrations. Mm-hmm. And there's so much of our, um, you know, Christian mm-hmm. traditions that have these pagan mm-hmm. roots. And uh, I think Christmas is part of the winter solstice. And there was a pagan mm-hmm. festival on December right. 25th. Mm-hmm. And we have these sort of uh, reminders to people that might be nervous that the sun's mm-hmm. gone away, the, all, mm-hmm. the, all the plants are dead now, and they will grow again. Exactly. The church in the 4th century, I believe, since they couldn't um, erase those old pagan beliefs, they just simply replaced them and have put a new form on them with a Christian face. It's a smart thing to do if you want to replace beliefs. I remember uh, even during the communist time in some, maybe mm-hmm. not Yugoslavia, but in Bulgaria, if there was one rock concert out of the year, it would be on Easter. <laughs> Growing up in a former communist country, I must say it wasn't always all that bad because as uh, as a child there, we would have still December 6th. The, the way that they do nowadays is usually you give smaller gifts and tokens on St. Nicholas Day and you do the big gifts and the big celebration on Christmas Day. But in communist days, uh, the communists tried to replace Christmas. They knew they couldn't erase it because it was an important family holiday and people would still do it. So they just tried to replace it with the New Year, putting the emphasis on celebrating New Year instead of Christmas. And uh, the gifts came from Father Frost instead of Santa Claus. So there was an actual concentrated effort by the government to shift mm-hmm. it from a religious day to a party day. That's right. Take the religious connotations mm-hmm. of the gift-giving in the mm-hmm. family, but mm-hmm. keep a family time. That's right. And Father Frost? Mm-hmm. Father Frost, Diet uh, Mraz in Croatian, was uh, taken, uh, the example was taken from the Russians, from so the, the Soviets. So the communists go away, mm-hmm. and now you can take back the uh, the Christmas day and keep the Father Frost and have more parties altogether. True, although I, I must say in, in, in those days what people did, because we did not have such a hardline regime, they still kept uh, St. Nicholas, they kept Santa Claus, and they kept Father Frost. So they said, <laughs> okay, you got another guy. You got Nicholas coming, you got baby Jesus, and you got exactly. Father Frost. It was perfect. And needless to say, I have very fond memories from my childhood of that. You Yugoslavians. <laughs> I think uh, I don't think it was exactly the Yugoslavians. I remember Khrushchev would say, making these people communists is like trying to saddle a cow. It just, it's really tough. Okay, you're a little child. You're four years old, and you know it's St. Nicholas Day, and you know St. Nicholas is coming, and he's got a, he's got a son. Sidekick, doesn't he? What are your thoughts tonight before? He does. What are the What are your thoughts before? <laughs> who comes and what happens here? Well, the one that children usually fear is the Krampus. <laughs> Krampus. Krampus. Yes. Uh, this is Saint Nick's evil sidekick. That's right. Oh, Speaking boy. of, are your, you naughty or are you nice? You're going to get to know Krampus <laughs> exactly. If you are bad, uh, you don't get any presents. You rather get a stick. And whenever St. Nicholas comes through town, because just like later on with Santa Claus, you would have, in any town, you would have the procession with Santa Claus coming, giving gifts to children. And alongside him is Krampus. And he has these heavy chains. He's all black and he's got this demonic um, um, outfit. Looks kind of like the devil himself. And he rattles with the heavy chains. He tries to scare the children. He's got a whip with which he whips the children, the people on their feet, scares everyone away. And if you're bad, the Krampus is going to get you. So this is something to assure that the kids are good. <laughs> so there's parades going through villages with this oh, sort of festivity. Yes, yes, That would be a fun time to be in Croatia. Very much so. December 6th. Yeah. I'm joined by Marjan Kriskovic from Croatia. We're talking about Christmas in this part of former Yugoslavia. Marjan, we've got a lot of listeners across the United States, many of them with Croatian ancestry. Can you give them a greeting in your language and then tell us what you said? Merry Christmas and all the best in the new year. And if I want to say thank you, I say... Hvala. <laughs> <laughs> Hvala, Marjan. Merry Christmas to you too.
From Croatia, let's head now to the kind of cold, snowy landscape where Santa Claus might feel more at home. Tour guide Marita Bergman's here from Stockholm to tell us about the holiday traditions that have been underway for the past couple of weeks in Sweden. Marita, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Happy holidays. We say Merry Christmas, God jul. God jul. God jul. What does that mean literally? Uh, it means have a good Christmas. Now, a big day in Sweden is Santa Lucia Day, right? December yeah. 13. Yeah, that's true. It's a special day. It's a day when we uh, greet the light coming into the dark period. We start in December and especially at Lucia to greet the light coming back. Greeting the light. And it's done with adorable little children with crowns of candles on their heads? Yeah, in every school, in every elderly home comes children. A little parade of children bringing good cheer. Yeah, there are small children with Lucia, which normally is a, an older girl then, with this crown of uh, living lights, candles. Actual uh, candles her. on yeah. her hair. Yeah, it could be so. Uh, not with the smaller ones, but... No. Uh, and then they are singing their traditional songs. And do they bring uh, a goodies to the old folk? Uh, they bring cinnamon cookies, cinnamon cookies. Uh, and also saffron buns. Who's Jultomte? Jultomte, that is uh, a man that comes to everyone's home with smaller children. Uh, so he's the, the Swedish Santa Claus? He's the Swedish Santa Claus, Jul yes. Tomte. is he fat? Yeah. He's fat, he has a beard also. Is he one of these parental things that scares children into being nice rather than naughty? You know, if you're, if you're nice... You will get presents from Yultomta. Yeah, I don't think so. No. How do the kids get their gifts? Do they find a stocking under the at the fireplace or under the tree? Or normally we have the stocking in their own rooms, uh, so they have something already in the Christmas morning waiting for them in a stocking or some perhaps in a bag or something in their room. Yeah. So the parents own. will sneak in when the children are, are sleeping, yes. and they wake up, and Yultomta has been in their room yeah. while they slept. So it is. I understand in Sweden there's some interest in writing on the wrapping paper rhymes. Yeah, it's a very ritualized day, Christmas. Every family do the same. Uh, actually, we look uh, one hour at three o'clock in the afternoon. It's uh, Christmas comics. Uh, it's uh, Disney films. On TV. On TV. So everybody at three o'clock tunes into TV and watches Christmas comics. For one hour, it's the same ritual, same procedures every year. And then afterwards, uh, we deliver the Christmas presents. And on the uh, presents, there is a kind of uh, something written in it. And uh, to give a clue what there is in the present. Oh, so actually the the parent or the person working for Eula Tomta, yeah. will write on the paper a rhyming poem making clues to what's in the package. Yeah, true. And it has to be very, very mystical. I mean, it can't be too clear what is in it. So right. the better rhyme you have done, <laughs> the more you have to think. And the children, of course, the parcels lying under the Christmas tree can go and sneak and read also before. Oh, when I was little, I would shake the package to try to find what's inside. I could shake and make a noise. Yeah. But here, you can read the puzzle in the poem yeah. that the parent wrote on the present yeah. wrapping. That's true. I so love that. Yeah. Now, what's the traditional food and drink of Christmas in Sweden? We drink this spicy wine, which we call glögg. 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 And that is a kind of a sweet wine, uh, which is then spiced with different kinds of spices. Uh, very, very, very good it is. Uh, it's a hot wine. It's a hot wine, and you can get it also quite strong. Uh, well, it's about 
20% alcohol in it. Uh-huh. So it uh, can get quite joyful on Christmas Day. So Christmas Day is the big deal more than Christmas Eve? No, Christmas Eve is the big day. Okay, that's yeah. the big day. So yeah. it's really quite an involved holiday. It is. Modern Swedes, as much as they can throw away a lot of the traditions and be progressive and so on, they're, they're embracing the traditions of a multi-generational Christmas celebration. It is true. We have uh, strong traditions uh, in that way, but uh, then also, on the other hand, uh, a progressive society, yes. So that's interesting. You can have the most radically progressive society, and there's still a deep-seated hunger for tradition. Yeah. And at Christmas time, people will gather together at 3 o'clock and watch Christmas comics. In all homes, yes. We have Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Is there a song in Swedish that sort of everybody knows and everybody loves? If somebody can play the piano, they'll try it. Of course, there are uh, those uh, ordinary songs also sung all over, like Silent Night and so on. But then we also have songs uh, which we are singing, dancing then, if we have a lot of space at home, we are dancing around the Christmas tree all together, holding our hands. So this is not just in fairy tales or or romantic movies, but the Swedes will gather and hold hands in a circle around the tree. Yeah. Marita, thanks for a look into uh, Swedish Christmas. Can you um, give me a a Christmas sort of greeting in uh, Swedish? We say god jul. God jul and gott nyttår. Happy New Year. God jul and gott nyttår. Yes. Tack så mycket. Varsågod. Tour guide Marita Bergman can be reached through the GuideStockholm.com website. People from around the world get to spend a little bit of Christmas in Rome each year with telecasts of the Midnight Mass from St. Peter's Basilica. For a look at how they extend the holidays in the Italian capital, we're joined by Rome-based tour guides Susanna Perrucchini and, on the line from her apartment in Rome, Francesca Caruso. Merry Christmas, Francesca and Susanna. Merry Christmas to you. How do you say Merry Buon Christmas? Natale. Buon, Buon Natale. Natale Buon say. Natale. <laughs> Buon Natale. Let's talk about Christmas in Rome. What's unique about Christmas in Rome? Well, I think that Christmas in Rome is its a very family thing. I mean, it's not so much about the decorations. It's not so much about the presents. It is being with your family. So I think that the thing that we invest in most is food, for example, to prepare the perfect Christmas Eve meal and the meal on Christmas Day. So there is a saying in Italy that goes, Natale con i tuoi. Pasqua con chi vuoi, which means Christmas with your own, with your own family, and Easter uh, with whom, whoever you wish. So absolutely you have to spend it with your family. So uh, something that we traditionally do at Christmas is we go on a walk and we go to the main churches to see the nativity scenes that they set up. Okay. And then maybe a quick stop at the Christmas fair in Piazza Navona, and then a concert in the churches. Within the past few years, I have to say, Gospels, American Gospels, the Italian have discovered an absolute passion for, and they're becoming more and more popular, so we have a lot of singers from the States who come and sing gospel Wow, American gospel. Yes, oh, yes it's great. adore it. Now, it was fun to look at Susanna as you were saying that phrase. Say the phrase again, Susanna. Is Natale con i tuoi, Pasqua con chi vuoi. Now, Francesca talked about the food is important. Susanna, tell me about your image of the classic Roman Christmas feast. When my mother moved from Padova to Rome, she started to cook differently. So in the northern part of Italy, we use more butter, rice, and of course in the south, tomato. It's a little bit more tasty. Uh, So she melted (laughs) what I call 
Veneto Lazio cuisine. In my house, uh, what my mother cooked wonderfully, and uh, it's very typical from Rome, artichokes. So Lazio meaning the state of Rome. Yeah, Rome the region. The state of Lazio, and yes. then the Veneto would be Verona in Venice. Yes, exactly, in now, Padova. Francesca, in Rome, of course, this eel is a big deal, right? What, what's with the eel on Christmas? <laughs> yeah, I still have a horrible memory of my childhood with my dad bringing the live eel home and the poor eel <laughs> moving around in the kitchen sink as he had to. So the eel is flailing around in the kitchen sink as, as the relatives are coming over for Christmas. You've got a fresh one. Yes, yes, but that's a great advantage of having an American mother as I do, that she put an end to the eel <laughs> in the sink. So an end to the eel, that. like killing it or ending the tradition and not having it anymore? Well, not having it anymore. Okay, so no more <laughs> eels in your family. Why do they have an eel traditionally for Christmas in Rome? Because it's fish. Yes, Christmas Eve is fish, and the Roman specialty on Christmas Eve is fried things. So it can be anything from pieces of vegetable to pieces of fish to pieces of fruit like apple dipped in a very, very light batter and fried. This is the absolutely Roman specialty. Huh. Now, you mentioned it's a multi-generational thing. It's a time for the family to be together and for the little children. We have uh, St. Nicholas coming and, and so on, and you've got something called La Bafana. Bafana <laughs> comes, uh, comes on the 6th of January, and if children have been bad, if they've misbehaved, she will bring them coal, which is normally made of sugar, uh, and if they've been good, she will bring gifts to them. Oh, so mm. kids get black sugar, like fake coal, but they can eat it like candy? Yes. Yes. Ah. Now, La Bafana <laughs> is like a witch on a broomstick, right? Yes. Yes. And yes. you've got your Christmas season that really, for a tourist, if you like all the festivities for Christmas, all the markets and so on, they go until January 6th. Yes, exactly. And that's yes, epiphany. Uh, January 6th is the last day of the Christmas vacation. That was when, I guess that's after 12 days of Christmas. That's when the Magi... Uh, yeah. When the three yeah. kings the finally three brought kings. the gifts. Exactly. Yes. So that and marks the end we, of the Christmas That's season. when we put away our nativity scenes and we take the decorations off the tree. Because mm-hmm. I've been to Rome many times after Christmas, like for New Year's, and I've got all this Christmas fun on the streets, and it really is this La Bafana festivity. That yes, people are going absolutely. To. And yes. everybody's on the Piazza Navona, and they have a Christmas market. Yeah, that is the place where you usually want to see the Bafana coming down. Usually they use this big ragdoll, like La Befana, coming down the roofs of Rome to the, the main square, which is uh, Piazza Navona. So Piazza Navona is the, the place where you want to be on the 6th, on the night before. And just yeah. like little kids in America get photographed with Santa Claus, I think little kids in uh, Rome get photographed with this La Befana. Yes, even yes, though Santa Claus is a Babbo Natale, it's something that ah, we know. <laughs> always there. And yes. in Rome, the presepi is a big deal. That, that's the local word for manger scenes? Uh, presepio. Yes. Presepio. Yes. And you yes, find and churches work really hard to make beautiful pres- uh, manger scenes. They really do. They really do. There's some beautiful ones. Even if I have to say, maybe, uh, I think, Susanna, you agree that the most beautiful presepi in Italy are the ones made in Naples. Exactly. But we have a, in the 1700s especially, and we have a fantastic one that's on display all year round in Rome by the Roman Forum, which is absolutely worth a visit. But, you know, even in homes, I mean, I remember when I was a child and we made uh, our nativity scene in our fireplace, and we used to actually move the little figurines, and we put the little figurine of baby Jesus in the crib exactly at midnight on Christmas yes. Eve. Oh, doesn't the tradition go back to St. Francis? St. Francis created yes. the uh, nativities to help uh, tell the story of the birth of Christ. So he was such a creative teacher, and he used that to help tell the Christmas story. Yeah, we and still do it. too, no? Yeah, yeah. And today, when you go to Naples, you find entire streets dedicated yes. to selling little figurines for the Presepio. Months ahead of time. And, of course, the grandest manger scene is the size of a regular house. Yes. And it's on the main square at St. Peter's in front of yes. the church. Yes, yes. yes. With the big tree. Well, now, who brings this big tree? Every 
a year it comes from a different area, and there is a very long waiting list for villages in the mountains and the Alps that want to send it. So Catholic villages all over Christendom are trying to send the Pope a tree. Yes. For Christmas. Yes. <laughs> All right. I've been talking with Francesca Caruso from Rome and Susanna Perrochini right here in our studio, and we're celebrating Christmas all over the world. Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. Buon Natale. Buon Natale. Buon Natale tutti. Susanna Perrochini and Francesca Caruso are private tour guides based in Rome. Francesca's website is francescacaruso.com. We'll hear about the one-of-a-kind winter holidays in the Netherlands and get a taste of a tropical Christmas in Costa Rica in just a bit, right after we stop over on the island of Sardinia, next on Travel with Rick Steves. It's so fun to celebrate Christmas traditions all over the place. And, you know, the second island of Italy after Sicily is Sardinia. It's about 100 miles off the coast. It's about the size of Vermont. And it has its own unique traditions and pride. And we're joined now by Jeff Biggers. He's written a book called In Sardinia, An Unexpected Journey in Italy. And Jeff's going to share a little bit about Christmas in Sardinia. Merry Christmas, Jeff. Merry Christmas. Bon Natale. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Bon Natale. Tell us, uh, you've had a few Christmases in Sardinia. How is it distinct from Christmases on what the Sardinians call the mainland back in the rest of Italy? Sure. You know, and I, I guess I should probably get it right. They call it Sapeschigeda, you know, which is similar to Bon Natale, the good birth. But, ah, okay. uh, of course, hmm. Sardinians have their own language. You know, apart from Italian, they have five different variants and over 60 dialects. So, And with each dialect, probably a different Christmas tradition. So what are your memories of Christmas on Sardinia? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, are the sweets. And this is this beautiful sweet bread. It's called pane sabba. Of course, pane, of course, is bread, sabba. This sweet bread, it's made with raisins and nuts and and even wine. And it's really sat out for many days. Sort of a Sardinian panettone. Exactly. And it's really uh, very important in each village that has their different type of sweet bread. On top of that, of course, something that you find year-round, but especially during Christmas, are these little kind of uh, raisin cookies, I would call them. They're called uh, pabasinas in Sardinian or papasini in Italian. And um, that basically says raisin cookies. And that's also made with, with nuts and walnuts and whatnot. And they cut them into like diamond shapes and the cookies are baked until they're brown and they mm. put an icing on them. And, and those are very much all over during the Christmas time. So tell us about Christmas Eve and who might be there and, and what might the schedule for the evening be? So like anything in Sardinia, the Christmas tradition varies, of course, from region to region. But I think the focal point that I found in all these years was the hearth, the fireplace, as this central meeting place for the family. Even if you have modern-day apartments, the idea of recreating the fireplace. As we've talked before, Rick, Sardinia really is a pastoral society or came out of largely shepherds in many of the areas. There's more sheep than people on the island, I believe. Exactly. almost, Almost like New Zealand in that sense. And so the idea of, of huddling around the fireplace and eating and telling stories and playing games and, and having the Yule log that would, would burn all night was really a, a very important part of the traditional Christmas that you'd find in, in rural Sardinia. Jeff, can you tell me a little more about the Yule log on Sardinia? Um, the Yule log, which is called the Trancu, would, would be burned, of course, uh, throughout the, the Christmas period, starting on Christmas Eve. And they would often keep that fire burning until January 6th, which for many in the Catholic cultures would be the arrival 
of the kings. Um, and so that period, of course, during Christmas was, was very important for the Sardinian pastoral communities. Mm. Now, you had your kids there. What, what are some warm family memories that you can remember when your kids were little and you were in Sardinia? Sure. So we were in Alguero, which is a city on the northwest. And, of course, it has much more of an influence of the Spanish and Catalan. In fact, a quarter of the people uh, still speak the Catalan language. So on Christmas Eve, we had a Christmas uh, celebration I'll never forget. We were with a family who was bringing out plate after plate. They actually created a, a beautiful plate, a botarga, which is the wonderful mullet or tuna that's used as a condiment for pasta, kind of this golden, delicious pasta that comes uh, from the southwestern part of Sardinia. And then we went to the cathedral. And there, I, Rick, I was kind of anticipating a dark, somber Christmas. But in fact, it was just the opposite. It was this mix of the ancient with the modern. The mm. medieval streets, as we were walking there, they were lined with these lamps that had been decorated with fabric by a local designer. His name is Antonio Maras, and he has become since one of Italy's most famous designers. Mm. And then inside the, the mass at the cathedral, there were the traditional choirs, but then suddenly arrives one of the most important jazz icons of Italy. His name is Paolo Frezu, who was raised as the son of a shepherd and has gone on to become really the jazz heir to Miles Davis. He's really one of the most important trumpet players in Italy and Europe in the world today. And, he's, and his family is Sardinian. Sardinian, and he's very much connected to Alghero because of his wife. And this beautiful mix between the ancient and the modern of, of having a traditional mass with the traditional choirs, with a modern jazz on trumpet. Oh, that must have been great. Ah, oh, it really captured, I think, what Sardinia is to me, which is this wellspring of culture that has pulled from so many different cultures from around the world and then made them their own. And, of course, at midnight, at the, at the stroke of midnight, the bells start ringing, and they begin what they call the Mass of the Rooster, that really, I think, captures very much the traditions that they want to carry on. Mm. Um, and then people eventually make it back to their homes, play games. There, there was a, a spinning top game that the kids played with the local kids. It was really a, a very exciting period. And, of course, then the next day on Christmas Day itself, you had a, a wonderful feast. Jeff Biggers, thanks so much for taking us to Sardinia for Christmas. Thanks for writing your book, In Sardinia, An Unexpected Journey in Italy. And uh, once again, could you remind us how to wish our friends and loved ones Merry Christmas in the Sardinian language? Sure. So Christmas in Sardinia, we would say Sa Paschigeta. And Sa Paschigeta to you, Jeff. Well, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. In his book, In Sardinia, Jeff Biggers explains how the island works as something of an open-air museum with monuments that date back to the Bronze Age. His website is jeffbiggers.com. It doesn't need to be cold outside to make it a Merry Christmas. Nikki Solano joins us now from what seems like the happiest country in Central America, Costa Rica. It's where she met her husband, Ricky, more than 15 years ago and settled in. Merry Christmas, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. So you've had a few Christmases in Costa Rica. Uh, what's it like? It's a bit chaotic. <laughs> so my husband's family is quite large, and they all like to get together over the holidays. So we usually have quite a few parties to bounce around to <laughs> uh, throughout his different aunt's houses. 
and there's a lot of fun going on. There's a lot of karaoke being sung. There's a lot of great food being shared, um, some dancing going on, and of course, enjoying traditional Christmas tamales. Oh, really? So there's lots of good food, and I know Costa Ricans are really into quality time with the family. Traditionally, is it a Catholic country? It is. Uh, yep. So Roman Catholicism is the primary religion in Costa Rica. So if people are going to church, do they go to a midnight mass, or what is, how does that work? Yeah, sometimes. It depends on the schedule. They they have multiple masses, so depending on, you know, when they're available, a lot of Ticos, so Costa Ricans, will travel over the holidays, too, so it kind of depends you know, on their schedule. Usually Christmas Eve is celebrated more than Christmas Day. So you'll traditionally see a lot of people go to church on Christmas Eve as opposed to, say, on the 25th. And then the 25th would be a family day. Would the kids open up presents like we do in the United States? Yeah, so in my husband's family, uh, we tend to do them around midnight on Christmas Eve. So we will, say, go to church or have a big party at the house on the 24th, wait until it's late, gather around the Christmas tree. They decorate a traditional Christmas tree and we'll open the gifts and then go to bed late and wake up and kind of just relax and hang out with family and chat on the 25th. Because, uh, you know, Santa Claus can have a Puerto Vida approach to the holidays, I would suppose. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the Pura Vida, I, we should mention Costa Rica, it's, it's almost a religion. It's just, uh, don't worry, be happy. That's right. It's a really relaxed attitude, a really relaxed way to approach life, about enjoying kind of downtime, special moments with family and friends. And Christmas is a great time to embody the Pura Vida way. I was in El Salvador for the holidays once, and I almost um, lost my eyes with a bottle rocket that came shooting right at me and there's like fireworks going off everywhere and I've been in in uh, India and in Sri Lanka during the holidays and it's the same thing are there a lot of fireworks in Costa Rica over Christmas and New Year's a ton yep you'll hear we call them bombas you'll hear them all the time even in the daytime sometimes yep you'll hear them right throughout the holidays <laughs> so funny to me that where I live I don't associate you know explosions with Christmas but it's a big deal <laughs> in much of the world. And what's a, what's a song that Costa Ricans, Ticos, like to sing at Christmas time? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. That shouldn't surprise <laughs> yeah, me. And what, on what, repeat. <laughs> you must, on repeat. I bet you hear that a lot. And what about New Year's Eve? How does that uh, work in Costa Rica? So New Year's Eve isn't traditionally as big as, say, Christmas Eve, but the family will still get together and, and have a good meal. They'll stay up late, lots of bombas, so lots of fireworks lots of, uh, again. Any leftover fireworks from Christmas, they'll <laughs> blow them up on New Year's Eve, I suppose. That's right. I mean, a lot of people work in tourism, too, and tourism continues throughout the holidays. So you'll have people working on Christmas Eve, and they'll have to get up early and work on Christmas Day. So ah, um, Now, that's interesting because a good percent of the Costa Rican economy does involve tourism, and a lot of people are down there, so they're working. That's right. Yeah. I mean, government businesses obviously will close, but tourism doesn't stop 365 days a year. So New Year's is pretty relaxed. It's it's not, you know, maybe done up as much as, say, New York does it up, but it's still a good time. Okay. I'm going to test you. You've been married into the Costa Rican culture for 15 years. How's your Spanish? Can you tell me Merry Christmas and Happy New Year in Spanish, please? Rick, Feliz Navidad y Feliz Año Nuevo. Espero que todo está muy bien por usted. Nice. Well, pura vida <laughs> to you too. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Rick. Nikki Solano writes the Moon Costa Rica guidebooks. She and her husband, Ricky, lead tours and offer trip planning and safety tips at CostaRicaTravelBlog.com. The Christmas season starts early in the Netherlands, even before the canals get a chance to freeze up. 
Dennis Harris leads walking tours of Amsterdam plus bike and boat excursions at lovemycitytours.com. He joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves for a look at the colorful variety of holiday traditions the Dutch are enjoying this time of year. Thank you for having me. So, Dennis, if we're talking about the winter holiday season, uh, what would you say is the day that, that kicks it off for the Dutch people? Uh, well, the day that uh, really kicks it off is the beginning of December. On the 5th of December, we celebrate the birthday of what we call Sinterklaas. He's a person that brings presents to the children, but he already arrives two weeks before that time, uh, which means all the kids are already very excited. And before that time, you can actually put your shoe in front of the chitney, and we sing songs and put little presents in there and drawings for him. And this is all to, you know, make sure that he likes us because the parents would always tell us, if you didn't behave this year, then Sinterklaas will take you back to his house. Uh, and he actually comes from Spain. It's a very old tradition. Nowadays, maybe I want to be taken to Spain, but at that time, as a child, <laughs> you don't. That would, that would be a threat. So this is one of those things that so many cultures have where they have uh, the parents use this Santa Claus or Sinterklaas in the case of the Dutch to entice or threaten the children to be good children, not to be naughty, but to be nice. Yes. And then, uh, of course, you are overloaded uh, with presents. So it's it's sort of the same, but then instead of the stockings, it's a shoe. Uh, and Sinterklaas, uh, uh, he drives a horse, a white horse. So some people even leave a carrot in that shoe uh, for the horse. But it's mostly to make sure he gets your wish list. I guess that's why the shoes are there. Okay. And what's a typical kind of gift that children might get historically in their shoe? Well, first of all, candy. Uh, we have these special things called paper note, uh, paper nuts translated, but maybe not really correctly, uh -huh. but it's just a lot of candy involved. And then basically any kind of presents, but not too big. It's all about small Little uh, stuff that'll fit in a stocking or a shoe. Yes. And yeah. does Sinterklaas have a, a little sidekick, a guy named uh, Schwart Piet? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah, he has many sidekicks uh, just to help him out because if he doesn't have any sidekicks, he cannot deliver uh, all these presents on the same day to all oh, the yeah. kids, of course. So he, he needs help there. It's like Santa Claus has his elves. Um, exactly. Now, Schwart Piet is a North African, and uh, traditionally he's, um, he's essentially in blackface. Uh, well, it's uh, one of the biggest topics uh, at the moment. It also every year divides my country. A lot of people want black peats to become rainbow peats, so all colors like rainbow. Now, that's a good, that's a I interesting so too. solution. Yeah, because a lot of people, uh, they are offended uh, by it, and it's also a yeah. thing. It, it, it's not like the 21st century anymore, if you ask me. But the problem mm -hmm. is, is that there's quite a lot of people mostly in the countryside, that say, you know, it's a tradition and, you know, why should we change it? But in this period where we are living, it's quite easy to change it. You know, it's all yeah. a fairy tale anyway. And I think if for the kids, it doesn't matter. It's more like a, yeah. an adult thing, but it, it very much divides my country every year. But there's more and more rainbow beats. So I would say like with a lot of those things, give it another five or 10 years and then it's just all colorful rainbow beats. Yeah. After this Sinterklaas Day, uh, December 5th and 6th, it's St. Nicholas Day, I understand you don't put up your Christmas tree in, until after Sinterklaas. Uh, in the Netherlands, how do you traditionally, how do you decorate your tree? Uh, 
lot of Christmas balls, a lot of candy, and a lot of lights. Okay. We have now also started to decorate our houses from the outside. Uh, I think we've seen that from the United States of America, which means I've when I was a that. child, when I was a child, nobody did that. Uh, but then we, you know, with the internet now, we see all these houses being completely turned into these colorful uh, with uh, reindeers on the rooftop. And now a lot of people started doing that as well. But mostly it was indoor decoration. Um, we actually have two Christmas days, the first and the second Christmas day. The first is December 25. And the second is December 26. Why two? And uh, what's the difference? Well, honestly, there's actually no difference. The two days is all about getting together with your family. Uh, I would say with the ones you love. I guess it's also the Dutch, uh, our way of living. If we get a chance, we try to celebrate on two days instead of one. Nice. How do you say Merry Christmas in Dutch? Gelukkig Kerstfeest. Wow. Say that again. Gelukkig Kerstfeest. <laughs> That's the most uh, difficult to say Merry Christmas I, that I've ever encountered in the European languages. Now is a whole different time, but when you were a, a little child, what are some of your memories of Christmas in the Netherlands? Uh, well, first of all, snow. At that time, Christmas would always be white. There would always be quite a lot of snow. Uh, these last five years, because of the uh, climate changing so rapidly, we actually haven't seen snow at all anymore. Ah. And when you were a child, there was more uh, frozen canals. And uh, I know that you can't schedule a holiday for skating on the canals, but when the canals do freeze, it's sort of an impromptu holiday in the Netherlands. Yes, it has changed a bit, but at that time, and still, every Dutch person has ice skates at home. So as soon as there was ice, this was what we all would love to do. Uh, you would jump on your racing bike, you bind your ice skates around the neck. Uh, Mom would probably make a hot chocolate, pea soup, and some caramel waffles. And then you would go out into the countryside and ice skate for as long as you could. Yeah. That sounds so great, and it's a shame that that's really not happening anymore because of climate change. But uh, when, it, when a lake does freeze over, I would imagine the Dutch jump at an opportunity to rekindle that tradition. We even have ice masters throughout the entire country that check the thickness of the ice. And when the ice masters give the green light, then there's an official uh, yes on national television that says, OK, Dutchies, the ice is thick enough. And you can actually go out onto the ice. And this job is a very important one, you know. If, if you are the yeah. ice master of your area, uh, people really look up to you, you know. It's like a big thing. So we have official ice masters that check the thickness of the ice just to make sure it's safe for us to actually go onto the ice. Well, here's to the ice masters. I hope they can be busy in the next year and uh, hope for more cold enough weather to be able to skate on those beautiful canals. Dennis, thank you very much for uh, sharing with us your traditions during the holidays. And I would like to wish you Vrolik Kerstfest. How do you say that again? Yeah, Vrolik Kerstfest. Vrolik Kerstfest. Merry Christmas, Dennis, and yeah, Merry uh, Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So have yourself a merry little Christmas. Travel with Rick Steves is produced at Rick Steves Europe in Edmonds, Washington by Tim Tatton, Donna Bardsley, and Kazmara Hall. Website uploads are by Sherry Quirt and Andrew Wakeling. 
Promotion support comes from Sheila Gerzoff, and our theme music is by Jerry Frank. You'll find more at ricksteves.com radio. Wishing you warm and healthy holidays. From all of us at Travel with Rick Steves.